Welcome to the Impact Leadership Podcast, brought to you by Carnivera, the leadership development ecosystem that helps you grow your people, grow your business, and grow your life. Today is episode 28, and our special guest is Justin Jones-Fosu. The title of the episode is Work Meaningful, Finding Meaning in Your Work for Yourself and Your Team. Have you ever wanted to have more meaning in your work? Our special guest, Justin Jones-Fosu, answers this question and many others as we explore what it means to bring meaning to your work. Justin is an amazing speaker, an author, a serial and social entrepreneur, an inspirer of people and organizations, and most important, an amazing dad and husband. Justin will be sharing with us the secret to finding meaning in your work for more joy and satisfaction at work. More important, Justin will give you insights and strategies to help you transform your team's work experience for more meaning and engagement. So get ready to explore your why and find the path to more meaning in your work. Welcome to the Impact Leadership Podcast, where we explore leadership, business, and personal growth to help you grow your business and live a richer life. We're your hosts, Jeff Dishwitz and Craig Matthews. We believe that leaders have to put their people first. And if you don't have time to grow your people, then you're not leading. Get ready for conversations that will challenge your thinking and help you transform your leadership and your business. Welcome to your bigger business and bigger life. Well, we're back in studio and you know, Craig always gives me a hard time because I always say I'm excited about our guests. So I'm not excited about our guest today. I am over the moon about our guest today. <laughs> so Justin, you got the biggest word I've ever used around excitement and thrillism. New word, yes, thrillism. thrillism. <laughs> because we have as our guest today uh, a good friend of mine, Justin Jones-Fosu, coming to us from Charlotte, North Carolina, a fellow speaker, part of my speaker mastermind group, a serial entrepreneur, a social entrepreneur a guy that is just so connected to people and relationships. And the challenge today is going to be one thing. Craig doesn't know this. Justin tends to be very low energy. <laughs> <Woo>! <laughs> yes, that was Justin. <laughs> so we're going to try and get Justin out of his shell today and try and have him a little <laughs> bit excited and perhaps animated. But since we are in studio and he's at home today, He's not going to be able to, well, he probably can jump up and down. I've seen him do it on stage. <laughs> I've seen him dance on stage. I have seen him moonwalk on stage. There you go. Yeah. I've, seen, I've seen him do headstands on stage. <laughs> no, you have not. <laughs> oh, no, that was Dan Thurman. I'm sorry. Not Dan Thurman, yeah. <laughs> so we have Justin here. He is a creator of a number of enterprises. He'll tell us more about it. He's the founder and CEO of Work Meaningful which is an organization that helps organizations find new rhythms around excellence, profitability, and engagement. I know he's going to have a lot to share with us today. So welcome, Justin. Welcome. So good to Thank have you. Thank you so much. I'm super, super glad to be on the podcast with you all. And one thing I forgot to say, and I want to make sure I mention it, one thing I know about Justin that's always just touched me, the level of commitment he has to being a dad uh, yeah. and a husband and to helping those by empowering others mm. who are in challenging dynamics in their lives. Mm. And that has nothing to do with his business. It's just who Justin is, and that's what he brings to his business and the impact he has. So, Justin, 
we always ask our guests the opening question is give us a little bit of the story that brings us here today, the Justin story. Yeah, so I, I like uh, long walks on the beach, uh, horseback riding. <laughs> no, <I'm joking. laughs> Getting caught in the rain. <laughs> this, is, this is not Match.com. <laughs> I was just swiping left. I don't even know what you yeah. think. For me, it started when I was little. And I started working for an organization, it was a retirement community, and I had a manager that, I mean, sucked. I mean, it was a micromanager, and I hated what I did. I mean, literally hated what I did. I was washing dishes in the back. It was my first job after, you know, I was a paper boy, and I had a failed lawn care company business that um, it did great during cutting grass, but then when we had to rake all those leaves, that's when the business failed. But I remember working at this organization, this retirement community, and while I hated doing the dishes and then I hated my manager, I found and actually brought great meaning in going out and talking to the residents, going out and talking to the elderly residents and hearing their story and learning about them. And so I, I loved, I, I started washing the dishes faster just so I could have more time in the dining room wow. to hear the stories. And I even remember... There was a gentleman there who used to tend the rose garden. That was one of his, his professions, and he couldn't do it anymore. And so I would come and volunteer on my own. I, I mean, I used to work, I worked at the place. I would come and volunteer to till the rose garden for him. And I remember that was kind of like my first kind of run-in with that we actually can choose how we show up. And that I felt better about my work, even though I still didn't like my manager, even though I still didn't like doing the dishes. I felt better about the work I was doing because I was able to connect with the residents in meaningful ways, but then also volunteer and do this work. And so that began kind of like, that was a catalyst moment. I had no idea what was happening, but that was a catalyst moment. Fast forward to kind of my corporate days and work for a top financial firm and ran into the place where I just didn't like my job. The favorite manager that I had was let go. And they were looking at me with suspicion because I had just started my speaking business and, you know, a lot of different things are happening. I was on radio every week in the city uh, in Baltimore. And so it's like, I'm just, who is this guy? It really was the question that they were asking. <laughs> it didn't fit the position that I came in for in the training department. But I remember that some of the things that I began to do after I got written up and was putting on a performance improvement plan and really hated it, the turnaround moments for me was as I started talking to mentors and people were helping me was I started getting involved in other things that were meaningful for me. And so I joined the diversity and inclusion council to help implement some of the diversity initiatives before diversity and inclusion was super popular. <laughs> I started getting involved and led our walk for the cure. I think at that time was Susan B. Coleman, right? And so like I was one of the leaders of that initiative. Um, and these are all things I didn't have to do. They weren't a part of my job description, but these are ways that I felt better about the work that I was doing, even if I didn't feel completely fulfilled. And so that was uh, kind of the second rung of where operating in that corporate space that I realized like, man, just things that people can actually do to bring meaning to their work, even if they haven't found it. And uh, which you know, kind of leads me here to today of uh, just helping people to identify you know, the, the ways to bring meaning to their work, right? Because a lot of people, as I found, and as I would go out into society, I would always hear people asking the question, as like, I'm just trying to find meaning, right? And, and meaningful work was in one of the top five things for millennial generations and was number one for Generation Z. 
but it was always an external thing. Like they wanted to go to a places where they found meaning and I called it the magical unicorn. Like they were all <laughs> searching for this magical unicorn where they saw it on, you know, on their social media posts where their, their friends found that job that they made a lot of money. We're making a difference in society and we're contributing to community, great things. And it just, I love coming to work and, and I love my manager and all these things. And then people started feeling like they weren't enough because they didn't find it. They didn't find that magical unicorn. And it was to help that group of people to identify like, hey, those people, if they have all that stuff, those are outliers. But I know people who work for amazing companies that do great causes, that have awesome managers, and they still aren't fulfilled. So it's really not in the external thing. It's really in the internal thing. I so agree with you, Justin. And so that's why I'm here. Yeah, absolutely. I've seen that time and again where some people just can't be happy regardless of what you do, how you, how you serve them, how you create a great culture. And some people just show up yes. and we're going to have a great time. I'm probably jumping ahead here, but we'll fill in the gaps. What I'm hearing you saying, Justin, is what you realize is everybody was seeking to find meaning outside mm-hmm. or basically yes. have meaning given to them or provided to them. And what you're saying is meaning or working working meaningfully is about finding it from the inside out. Mm-hmm. And I hear, I think there's, I yes. don't know for sure, but I'm guessing there's something in here about focusing on what you, I, and each one of us controls, which is ourselves. Yes. I mean, 100%. And that's why I named the company Work Meaningful because it, it, it put the emphasis on what we do, that mm-hmm. we work meaningfully, right? <laughs> Versus meaningful work, which seems like it's something that's brought to you. And so I sometimes give this analogy in the presentations and uh, it's simply around like the drum. So sometimes like in my live presentations and even a little bit virtually, like I'll ask somebody to just drum, right? And so somebody will like, right? So that sounds great, right? Then I'm like, okay, now I want you to drum like you're drumming for someone you passionately love. And they're like, right? (laughs) And I'm like, all right, now I want you to drum like you're drumming at the best part of your life. And they're like, <laughs> right? And then, like, the last one is always the most interesting one. I'm like, yeah, the last one is a <laughs> drum because uh, impending danger is coming. And the only way to warn people around is this drum. And they're like, <laughs> and it's, it's interesting because if you notice, the drum has stayed the same. Yeah. The drum hasn't changed. But what changed what you and I heard was the meaning that the person or that I put into the drum Hmm. that shifted and changed the outcome. And this is all, this shows us the power of our meaning, you know, in a Ghanaian tradition, um, I'm Ghanaian American, I'm a dual citizen of of both Ghana and the U S you realize the drum is used for different things. And it's one drum. Many times it's used for ceremonies to welcome in the King of the village to, for, for weddings, for funerals and deaths. It was used in, in traditional times to warn the neighboring villages of impending danger. Hmm. This one drum, but the, it, the beat changed based on the meaning we put into it. And so that's the same work. And that, that's my challenge to people that we can work to a different beat. The question is not trying to find this external beat, but creating the rhythms within ourselves. That is so good. Yeah. As a drummer, I, I really appreciate that analogy. <laughs> that's good. One thing I'm guessing that some people are listening to this, Justin, are saying is, well, but that is nice, 
Yeah. But I think that only applies once you get to a certain place of achievement or a certain place of income, mm-hmm. right? I see you smiling. So yeah. tell us what your research has shown about this idea is that can I, can I be meaningful in work only after I get to a certain place? <laughs> I love that you brought that up and I'm going to, I'm going to approach it in two different ways. One with the story and then one with the actual research. One time I came back from flying, this is obviously pre COVID and I saw this guy who was picking up the trash, but he was smiling and humming to himself. And I was like, I try my best to capture people doing things right. <laughs> and so I, I went up to him and, you know, I just asked him and I, I often, for those who aren't normally thanked or appreciated in life, mm. I just, I thank them, right? I'm just, I was like, Hey man, I just want to let you know, really appreciate your hard work. Like you're, you're making a difference and I'm, I'm super thankful. You've made my experience in this airport better by you. And so we, we're talking and he starts, you know, guy, his name is Joseph and he starts just talking and sharing some different things uh, about his life. And, you know, and he, he asked the question, I asked him the question about, you know, his work and what he does and why he approaches it. And he was like, he was like, do you know that there is more trash in the Pacific Ocean than the size of the state of Texas? I was like, no, I didn't. <laughs> and I'm super impressed, right? As <laughs> you know this. And I asked him, why do you he approach the work the way he does? And he said, I, I love what I do. He says, I just want to make the airport a better place. <laughs> He's like, I want to, I want to separate. He's like, I take the trash and recycling. I take it downstairs and I separate it and make sure it stays because I want to create a cleaner environment. Mm. And I'm like, bruh, like, <laughs> like what in the world? His perspective as a person was cleaning the trash in Charlotte airport, which many people would say, oh, that's, that's not meaningful work he was able to bring meaning to the work that he did each and every single day based on how he approached it. Right. And that's what I call the perspective rhythm. And, and it's funny because actually one of the ladies who worked at uh, one of the restaurants nearby came cause she saw me filming him and she's like, Oh, what, what do y'all have going on? And she was like, yeah, I, I, I joke on him all the time because he's always smiling and always talking to people. I was like, you should be applauding him for that <laughs> because he's setting a great example. So that's the story of that just, showcases that. Now, let me share the research. Now, there's a study done on hospital cleaners. And one of the interesting things that was found in this study by hospital cleaners is that they found two different groups of hospital cleaners. There's one group of hospital cleaners that they came to the hospital, they cleaned the hospital, and they went home from the hospital. It makes sense because they were hospital cleaners. But they also found another group who they saw themselves as extensions of the mission of the hospital. Mm. So they talked to the nurses and asked, when's the best time to come into the room? When they saw a family member, they would talk to the nurses and ask, when's the best, when's the best, sorry. They would talk to the nurses and ask, when's the best time to come into the room? Mm. They would talk to family members and ask, is there anything else that I could do for you? Is there something that you need? They found themselves as extensions of that mission. Mm. Now, they were both doing the exact same work but how they approached their work was different. That is so and good. And that's what really led me to know that we can bring meaning. It's how we approach it. Are we so, so focused on what a lot of people talk about, this external locus of control, hmm. or do we grab hold of ownership and, and focus on the internal locus of control? Wow, that is so good, Justin. One of the things, Jeff and I just released a podcast episode 
on lead where you are. And this, this so perfectly dovetails into that because you're talking about we're bringing our heart to work, we're bringing who we are and we're bringing meaning to work. And at the same time, we are leading where we are. So that, that person was taking out the trash at the airport was leading by yeah. going in with a great attitude and really thinking about yeah. how he could extend what he was doing to a much higher level. Absolutely. So Justin, yeah. you talked about extensions of the mission and some people were, saw themselves as extensions and some did not. Yeah. What's your research show about, is that about the individual's choice? How much is that is about the company empowering people with it? Is it a collaboration? How does that happen? Mm -hmm. Or is it just, this is the person who gets it and this is the person who doesn't? Yeah. Uh, what I found in the research is that the first and foremost place where it centers and starts is the person, mm -hmm. right? No matter what situation you are, I remember reading Man's Search for Meaning by Viktor Frankl, um, powerful, powerful book. And he talked about the horrors of the Holocaust and how even in the midst of that, he was able to still have meaning, right? And so all of these things, it's like it starts with the individual. I am the only person I can control. And so I often tell organizational leaders and team leaders is that you don't create engagement. <laughs> you just create a culture where engagement can better thrive yes. because the individual has to choose what beat they're going to listen to and how they're going to show up each and every single day. So good. And, and that's, that's the beauty. And when leaders focus on creating that culture, I call it the greenhouse effect, right? <laughs> where you create the greenhouse effect where plants can either thrive or they have a hard time thriving, right? Hmm. It's like, it's still up to the plant. The plant is still, it's going gonna, it's gonna to either grow or it's not going to grow. But that's how we are as individuals is that we can choose our growth or cultures can create places where it's really hard to grow, right? So I can either grow really well or it's going to be hard for me to press through because I don't, I have a challenging manager, I have all these things. So that's, that's the focus. And that's where I always start. It's the individual that creates engagement, not the culture, not leadership. Now where leadership does come in is that they can create a place that is, it's better to thrive. And so they connect you know, great leaders connect people to the mission and consistently show them how their individual role plays into the mission of Absolutely. the overall arching company. So that's where leaders come in. That's where leaders can help people to find opportunities where they can bring the meaning to their work, right? So they may ask them things that they really enjoy that might not be a part of their job description, but they assign it. And so if that person's really passionate about cancer, well, their job may have nothing to do with cancer, but they actually might have something that they do in the organization that's focused on cancer. So they're like, okay, cool. I want to include a part of your time, whether it's a small percentage if they can, or just connecting them to the volunteer opportunities where they're involved in those cancer initiatives or the research or some of those things. And so that's where leadership falls in place is that they create that culture where it can thrive or they make it hard to thrive. And so it starts with the individual for engagement leaders create that culture of engagement and it, it is a two-way street but it always starts with the individual because we we can't control what happens to us but we can control how we happen to things very good one of the things that comes up for me there is is it a matter of selection when when we're bringing people into the organization to make sure that they match with what we're doing and that they have some passion about something you know it sounds like even if they have passion about cancer and they're not in a cancer related job 
there's still some level of passion versus somebody that comes in and, you know, I don't really have any real interests. Uh, so one side I would say is we definitely want to attract people that are connected to the mission of the organization as much as we can. Yes. So how much yeah. of that is from selection and how much of it is that you're nurturing those people to find that passion and bring that meeting? Yeah, so really it's both. Um, you know, so starting off with, you know, the individual, like a lot of the things we're seeing just in terms of the recruitment is that people are moving away um, or they're showing, the research is showing people should be moving away from skill-based recruiting uh, because <laughs> what we often find, yeah, what we also find is that, you know, people need to do different things. They need upskilling and reskilling and all these other great HR terms that are organizational development terms. Uh, but what they, what they can't find or replicate as often with people is, does that person have a growth mindset? Yes. Uh, does that person desire to consistently learn and grow? Does that, does that person want to solve problems, right? And so that's why you see these experiential interviews consistently rising to the top versus just what did you do on your last job? Because as we know, companies are asking, you know, for not only to be an agile company, but for their employees to be agile. And if they have to be agile, that means they're shifting, they're changing what they do, they're learning something different, they're taking on new initiatives that weren't necessarily taken on before. And so it's on, one, it's in the recruitment process, but say you're in a, you're an organization and you have a certain group of people, this is why I, I love, love talking about your why, right? And that your why matters now. So what I wrote the book on, right? Your why matters now. Because even in those places, I have four different types of people on my research that um, engage in, according to the why now continuum. And so the low why, low now people are, are called the wanderers. Um, they don't know why they're there and they're not passionately doing anything about it. Uh, if I had to give them a, a TV show, I'd call them the walking dead um, <laughs> because they're just like, just existing, right? It's like, oh, I'm here, right? Then the next group of people are those who have a high why, but a low now. Those are the thinkers. And the thinkers are the kind of people that they understand why they're there. They understand their why. They may understand the mission. They may understand purpose and all those pieces that are there, the meaning that they have. But for whatever reason, they, they're not on 10. They're not giving their best effort, whether fear of success, fear of failure, or the organizational model sometimes. We've never done it this way before. And so all of those things buy and play. Then you're the next group of people are the people who have a high now, but a low why. Those are the people who are constantly doing a lot of stuff, just sometimes in the wrong place. They sometimes confuse activity for progress. And those are the misplaced. And the last group of people are those who have a high why, high now. Those are the pursuers, right? They understand clarity, connection, consistency. They understand bringing meaning to their work and on 10 behaviors. So, all that wrapped up is sometimes people find themselves and they find their employees in the wanderer quadrant. And sometimes their decision is, I need to give them more activity. And that's the worst thing that you can do. The number one thing that you have to do from a foundational level is help, help that person uncover or rediscover their why. Mm. Why are they there? Not just in that organization, but in life. Yeah. What is part of their why statement? You know, I, I, for me, it's challenging the perception and overcoming boundaries of what I and others believe are possible. And that's just been based upon my history of sense of homelessness, growing up in the hood, all that kind of stuff of challenging the boundaries of what I and others believe are possible. So in every organization, in every role, I'm always asking, just naturally, it's who I am. Yeah. How am I challenging boundaries for myself and others of what we believe are possible? 
But when you help that wanderer to uncover their why, you realize something powerful as a leader. Not every person is going to stay in your organization, but will every person remember you as a person that, that, that helped them mm. to grow and to develop? I, I, even with my team now, I, they may not be with me forever. It'd be great if they are, but I want to make sure that they're equipped, that they have the tools, and that there's something there that I'm investing into them, that I'm showing them how the work that they're doing now can parlay into what they hope to do. And that's where we make the mistake sometimes as leaders. Leaders need to create an organization where they're investing in the people and, and really investing in them for what they may hope to become one day because yes. not everybody's going to stay in the organization. Not everybody's going to rise to the top, but will you invest in the people? So that's where we need as leaders to step in. So it's recruitment. Number one, it's selecting good people that are, have a growth mindset, that are, are adaptable, that try to focus on ways that they can grow and develop. But it's also as leaders creating those spaces where we're helping to connect people to their why, to the organizational why, and helping them grow no matter what. Oh, so good. I, I concur 100%. Let's take a quick break and hear from our sponsors. The Impact Leadership Podcast is brought to you by Cartavera. Cartavera is a leadership development ecosystem with training, coaching, resources, events, and a community to help you grow. At Cartavera, we believe that you can't grow a business bigger than you, that your company is limited by your growth. We blend personal growth with leadership, team, and business growth to give you a single place to grow your people, grow your business, and grow your life. You can find out more at cartavera.com. Welcome back. So Justin, you shared a lot there. And the big question coming up for me is, first, I'll talk briefly about my experience and I want to hear about yours. I find that very few organizations are really committed to and intentionally working on culture by itself mm -hmm. as a starting point. And when they do, they tend to go to, we need to figure out the corporate strategy. We need to figure out the mission and vision. But rarely do they help their team members connect individually to that mission and vision and why. Yeah. And incredibly infrequently do they do what you're talking about, which is say, I, I want to help you find your why. Mm, yes. And what are you seeing in the business world today in terms of that outcome? And is it shifting? Yeah. Uh, I think it's, it's slowly shifting if people are paying attention to the research. And as millennials are coming into organizations, uh, they've been there for a while, but as Gen Z is coming, meaningful work is so big that they're realizing that they're not going to keep these people because people, people aren't enamored by, oh, I get to work for this company. They're like, what do you have for me lately, right? <laughs> like, <laughs> what have you done for me lately? Dun, 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 dun. Ooh, yeah, right? <laughs> I can't and believe so, it took you that yeah. long to sing. <laughs> <laughs> Bring it. <laughs> right. But that's what they're asking, right? And so they're like, okay, yeah. cool, right? I mean, like, I love the analogy, the stuff of a sports person. And um, one of the things that I love is how like, when LeBron James went from Cleveland to Miami, everybody hated LeBron James. Like, how dare he? You know, there's no more loyalty anymore. There's no more. And, and it, it just was a small glimpse into the corporate world because a lot of people, especially millennials and even Gen Z, they saw their parents that worked hard for one organization, built up their yeah. pension, did all these things. And then 
the organization went bankrupt or they took away their pensions or all the bells and whistles and they let them go or whatever happened. And they're like, I'm not going to find myself in that position. So constantly organizations are dealing with now, how do I create this best package for the workers that are coming into workplace that don't seem to have this loyalty of I have to stay with this organization for the rest of my life. But we're seeing organizations wake up to that. And they're starting to dial into asking people what's of interest to them. And you started to see some things. They don't do this as many more. And I'd love to dive into that research a little bit further. But you saw this with Google for a while. One of the things that, that they talked about as they mentioned is that they would allot a percentage of their time to work on a passion project. Yeah. To give people an opportunity to focus on something that was interesting to them. And a lot of things that came out of that didn't work. <laughs> But we're key things that we use every day within the Google suites that came out of somebody's passion project, right? That's something that they were interested in or intrigued by. And so I think it's, in, in, it's up to us as leaders in corporations to create those spaces. And it's happening more, but it's not happening enough. Yeah. I think the last company that I actually had a, a, a real role in was a company that got it. Uh, it was a company called McKim and Creed. They're a consulting engineering firm. And they were very intentional about the culture. They were very intentional about growth and helping people to achieve beyond just the job function. I mean, I remember when going down to Wilmington, North Carolina, and that was the home office at the time. And it was National Dentist Day. And the HR leader was dressed up as the tooth fairy. And the front uh, desk administrator was dressed up as a tube of toothpaste. And the CEO was outside playing guitar and singing along with another project manager. And it's just like, oh my gosh, what a great company. You know, it was just, yes. a, they, they did these things to engage with people and really genuinely cared about what was going on. As being chief technology officer for the company, I was in a lot of those meetings where we were talking about what are we doing about the culture? We were measuring it. We were, we were tracking how are we doing as far as keeping people and how are we doing as far as growing people? So there are some good examples out there. Yeah, there's some amazing ones. I mean, uh, a group that I worked with, um, uh, Broad River Retail's great, great organization, and their whole big mission is memory making, right? So they focus mm. in on furniture and all these things, beds and mattress, all the, you know. And but what I love about it, and talking to the owners, and even talking to people, not just the owners, because sometimes the owners would give you a, a depiction of what's going on. But you talk to people, right? And, and you see that they're really, they took the mission of creating memories, memory making for people that buy their stuff, but they're not just focused on the memory making for the people, the customers. They're also asking the questions of what memories are you making as an employee? Wow, that is so a good. memory maker, right? And so they're asking the questions about their lives and they have corporate chaplains that have come in, right? To help people through challenging situations. They have uh, counselors and things that are on that paid. I mean, they're doing the work to make mm. sure people are healthy yeah. so that they can make better memories in their own lives as associates. That is right? so, and so good. I, and so when we take the bigger mission and we ask how does it funnel down into each individual level, whether it's employees, associates, team, that's where I think leaders are stepping up more mm -hmm. to take responsibility and ownership of how they lead their people and not just leading them at work, but leading them in a holistic aspect of their lives. Because there, there is no work-life balance. Let's just be very, very open and honest. <laughs> right. There, there is a work-life blend. 
And many years in HR, we tried to separate the two. We said the statement, we've heard it many times, leave work at work and home at home. But when you are dealing with something at home and you come to work, it just doesn't turn off. Right. Right. And it had this one really good example of quiet, uh, this natural gas company of this manager that they have this whole, one of their guiding principles was be here now. That's the, mm. the, one of their guiding principles, one of their top eight guiding principles, be here now. And so this manager saw this uh, employee that wasn't there. He could tell something wrong with him. And he was like, you know, like, what's wrong? Like, talk to me. And uh, it doesn't look like you're here now. And he was like, I just had a argument with my partner and, you know, just it's really tough and challenging. Manager said, okay, I want you to go home. I want you to solve that. I want you to work things out. We got you covered, still paid <laughs> while you're working it out. And, you know, when, when you get situated, come back to work. That is so good. Now, <laughs> what amazed me in that moment is I realized something so pivotal that oftentimes we create policies for the few people who abuse it while we lose out on the opportunities and the extra that people will bring for those who will never abuse it. So good. And that was a moment where I was like, oh my gosh, this person created such a trust level and that person felt so valued. It's managers was open and sharing their story. Like that person will walk through walls for them because they know that they are cared about, not just for what they can do for the company, but for who they are as a human being. Mm. So good. Wow. It's funny. It's so fascinating to me as we've get guests on the show, Justin, if you didn't know better and you might even believe it, people who listen to all the podcasts, you would go back and say, Craig and Jeff must have selected these guests, <laughs> told them what to say and is literally holding up cue cards because not only does it align with our beliefs around leadership and culture yes. and, and putting people first, but so many yeah. of our guests have just put these bows together. One of our guests about halfway through the, our season was Larry English from a company called Centric Consulting. One of the first mm -hmm. questions we said to him, it's a, a thousand person remote only business in technology. We said, what's the secret sauce? And he said, well, there's a lot to it, but here's the two big ones. Number one is vulnerability. Number two is you invite your people to bring their lives to work. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> And to your point, I, you know, I think that I just told a group last week, an HR group I was speaking to, that I challenged them right at the beginning. I said, everybody says they're trying to create team engagement. I said, the truth yeah. is you don't really want it. The mm -hmm. reason you don't have it is because you don't want it. Because if you want it, you know what you need to do, but it's going to be yeah. different than you're used to. Yeah. You need to treat people as humans. You need to, as simple as I can put it, you need to just see them actually yes. see them and make them a priority and let them know you care about them and you care about their lives. People are already, they're starving to engage with that. They're starving. I believe That's they're starving awesome. to be seen. So I don't think it's, I mean, is it hard? Yes, it's hard because it's not what we're used to. And it feels yes. like this touchy feely soft thing. I'm, re I'm ready to be done with soft skills. I want to blow something up. <laughs> Maybe that's what I can do, Craig. That whole idea about the chainsaw. I can get a chainsaw and yes. soft skills. The, the only problem with the calling it soft skills is people think that it doesn't yeah. have meaning. One of the things that you all were talking that I think we're all asking the question of, 
know, and as a person who's uh, in been in HR, has worked in corporate HR, is that sometimes we have just kind of created this at times foo foo ness behind some of these things, and so. I want to give some very practical things that people can do to bring meaning to their work each and every single day. But it's great to be able to say, bring meaning to your work, but it's, it's harder to actually give them practical solutions and to do it, right? And Brilliant. so uh, it's, it's what I call the three rhythm model. And these are three ways that you can change the rhythms and bring meaning with you. It's what's called, it's adopted from great research from 2001 on what's called job crafting. And so I've, I've titled it the perspective rhythm the task rhythm, and the relationship rhythm. So these are three ways that you can actually bring meaning to your work each and every single day. The first is a perspective rhythm. It's, it's how do you change how you see what's happening? What, what's there? Do you just see yourself, as an example, as a hospital cleaner? Or do you see yourselves as a, a working piece of the mission of the hospital? I love one of the stories that they gave about a guy who was working in and doing maintenance and cleaning all uh, academic institution. And he saw himself as creating the perfect atmosphere and environment for growing minds to learn. Mm. And like that was his perspective on how he approached his work, right? Wow. And so our perspective and how we see what we see is, you know, we talk about abundance versus deficit mindset um, and thinking. It's like, how do you see what's there and what could be there versus seeing all the things that are wrong and what's not there? So that's the first thing, the perspective rhythm. If you ask three different bricklayers, what are you doing? Oh, I'm laying bricks. I'm building a wall. I'm building a cathedral where people are going to worship. Yes. Yes. The second part is the task rhythm. And that's in either adding tasks and or working with leadership to take away tasks mm. uh, that aren't meaningful. Yeah. And so sometimes that means there is no hand can I come to say two less meetings? <laughs> can I not get on with during the coronavirus two less zoom calls because I don't need to be on this call. So it's, it's adding tasks like volunteering for things or taking initiative to maybe host the zoom social hour, or if you're meeting in person, the happy hour or community service or diversity inclusion committee, or it could be something as simple as taking away some of the things that you do that aren't adding as much value that can still be done just in a different way. So that's the task rhythm. And people have to ask the question, go beyond their job description and ask. And this is what I love. I love leadership. Leadership can add certain things to job descriptions and say, hey, this is important to you as an individual. We're also going to put this as part of your performance evaluation. Hmm. Not just the things that contribute to the company, but because you're a part of the company, you're contributing to the company. Yep. Right? Now, that's not, you're not going to make that 95% of what someone does, but guess what? I've seen things where a person spent time doing volunteer work and community work and there's 5% of their job and it was made that way that they actually ended up becoming the VP of community liaison, right? Mm -hmm. So it actually then became the work that they did. So task rhythm is the second rhythm. Mm -hmm. And the last rhythm is the relationship rhythm. And with the relationship rhythm, what we find is it's who do you want to invest in deeply? Right? It's almost similar to the task because there's some relationships that you want to better cultivate. And it's, it's asking the question, you know, can, you know, when we're in person, can, can I go to lunch at least once a week with someone, right? Uh, just to learn about them and invest into the relationships. But it's also asked the question of who do you not need to spend as much time with, <laughs> right? 
because it's not helping you to grow and have the right type of mindset. And, and so one of the things I love called extravagant appreciation, where we go out our way to celebrate those around us who have made a difference. Mm. One of the ways that we do this in our relationships is going beyond the thank you and mm. celebrating people with what I call extravagant appreciation. It's more than just, hey, thank you, good job. It's I want to let you know the impact that this had. I want to let you know how grateful I am for you. It's writing the handwritten thank you note to letting somebody know how awesome and amazing they are. One of the things I do my best to practice each day is doing extravagant appreciation videos for people that are like 60 mm. to 90 seconds and just letting them know like, hey, I just want to let idea. you know how awesome and amazing the work that you're doing. I'm doing that for responders. I'm doing that for essential workers. I'm doing that for, you know, just friends and family members. And you have no idea the response people give back. Now, the great benefit in that is this. Not only do they benefit, but we also benefit. We have the awesome opportunity of the scientific research about our endorphins and dopamine that's released when we feel like we're doing something bigger than ourselves. And so those are practical things. If you want to ask yourself what you do, you can ask, how do I see what what I'm doing? You can say, what are some tasks I should take away and or add and work with leadership to do that? And you can ask, who can I extravagantly appreciate? Whether just start off once a week, that's 52 times. Hmm. Or do it once a day, take the, take the leap, take a bigger challenge and ask. It doesn't have to be something you know, really, really big, but just something that's meaningful, which could take 60 seconds. Last thing I'll say, I love this example. There's a CEO that literally said he's written roughly about 10,000 handwritten thank you notes to his team almost every year. He's doing you know, thank you notes for anniversaries, appreciation cards, that person's son graduated from karate or whatever it is, their, their daughter was doing something in baseball, whatever that thing is, but you will find him on a plane without his handwritten note cards because he wanted to let his team know how awesome they are. And so those are practical things that we can do to bring meaning to our work each and every day. Wow, that's awesome. The CEO of the company that I was telling you about earlier, McKinnon Creed, handwritten notes for all sorts of different things throughout the year. And people yeah. had them posted on their cubicles. It meant something to them that somebody actually took the time. Yes. Right. I'm not surprised, yeah, Justin. I knew you would bring us not only my, one of my favorite words, shifts, but action. Ways to actually mm-hmm. do this and make a difference. And I'm not surprised that you came from a heart place. <laughs> I knew you coming into it. So that part wasn't a surprise. And I, I want to, got a couple more questions before we wrap up, but before we do, I want to honor you with something that I hope will be meaning to you. So are you ready for it? This is what I think about your time with us. Woo! Woo! woo. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that was definitely meaningful. That's my thing. Woo! Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I'll have the perspective that, that you know, you meant that. So I like it. It's good. <laughs> custom, nice. baby. Custom. Custom. A couple baby. quick questions, Justin. Is there anything in particular you want to promote, let people know about that's going on for you right now? Just the whole shift in terms of Work Meaningful, just as a growing and developing company. So workmeaningful.com, making crazy videos, the drummer actually drumming on stage and seeing how that person brought me. And it was really fun. I think I was working with Ashley Home Stores at that time. And it was just an amazing experience seeing other person on stage. She actually, and I, I didn't plan this. It's almost like you all, he was actually from Ghana. 
And so, like, he came on stage. He's like, I'm from Ghana, too. I was like, oh. So he started drumming. He's like, da, 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 da. I was like, okay, bro. Right. So, so workbeautiful.com, <laughs> you can see a lot of this stuff on there. And I have videos in terms of, like, my meaningful moments. And so the meaningful moments is where I catch people doing things right. And so nice. I capture them, whether that's been from uh, Joseph uh, or that's been a person working in the, the cafeteria at their company, whether that's a bartender, flight attendant. Um, and so I, I've captured different those things. So you can see that on workmeaningful.com. And I'll just a book, Your Why Matters Now, um, How Some Achieve More and Others Don't. And it's on Amazon. You can check that out. But it really, if people struggle with identifying what I call their macro why, that's a place that they can go to, to, awesome. to dive deeper. Yeah. We'll put all that in the show notes, of course. And you mentioned your website. Is that the best way for people to connect with you? So workmeaningful.com is the best place. Uh, if people want to just give us a call, it's 704-750-5574. I mean, sometimes people just want a voice versus kind of <laughs> like fiddling around on a website. So that's another place or justin at workmeaningful.com. Fantastic. Fantastic. We always ask a, a question at the end. So my question is, if you could have dinner with someone living, who do you want to have dinner with? And what's the one question you would ask them? Uh, it'd be dinner with my daughter. Mm -hmm. And the one question I would ask her is, how can I every day lift you up? Mm. Oh. And just hear her response. And the reason that's meaningful for me is, you know, my daughter and I, we competed in our first daddy-daughter dance competition last year. We won, very thankfully. But I remember after we got done, my daughter, she had a Beyonce moment where all her friends came up to her like, Lydia, Lydia. She's like, thank you, thank you. Remember a capture, you just had this on video. And I was like, Lydia, like, great job. Like, what was your favorite part of the dance? And she was like, Dad, when you lifted me up. <laughs> now, there's a, part, there's a part in the dance where I actually lifted her up on my shoulders. Wow. But symbolically, she had no idea that that would be my why with her for the rest of her life. Wow. Is to spend each and every day lifting her up. And so just asking her, what does that look like for her would be the person I'd have dinner with. Wow. Fantastic, Justin. Thanks for sharing that. <laughs> Great to finish with another amazing heart moment, but yeah. not at all surprising with you. So thanks <laughs> for being here and thanks for sharing, Justin. And thanks for being you. Yes, thank you for being here. I had a really great time. Impact. Woo! If you like this podcast, you'll love the Cartavera Tribe. The Cartavera Tribe is a community of growth-committed leaders who want to connect, engage, and grow themselves, their people, and their businesses. Cartavera is a leadership development ecosystem with training, coaching, assessments, and events to challenge you and help you grow. And the Cartavera Tribe is a membership like none other. You'll get live access to Craig and Jeff where you can ask questions, as well as masterminds where you can get answers from other leaders who've already solved your greatest challenges. You'll have access to additional interviews and a variety of courses, tools, and resources to help you achieve your biggest goals. We have monthly game days where we have challenges and competitive games to help you grow your leadership capabilities. And you'll get a personal growth Sherpa who will guide you to help you reach your growth goals. To find out more, go to cartavera.com. That's C-A-R-D-I-V-E-R-A.com. See you on the inside. Imagine how fast we could solve the world's biggest problems if more SaaS startups would gain traction sooner. Welcome to the Tech Entrepreneur on a Mission podcast. 
This podcast is dedicated to sharing experiences from B2B SaaS CEOs who are going above and beyond to deliver change that is noticed. You will hear their secrets and learn what is required to build a SaaS business that the world starts talking about and keeps talking about and how to overcome the roadblocks to do so.